welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Praise God. Awesome. So, last week, was it last week? The way, the truth, and the life? Let's go there then, shall we? Hallelujah. We had a fantastic day yesterday with the wedding. Well, some of us did by the sound of that clapping. Me and Kate had a good time. Uh, yeah, it was really good. And it's, uh, that's why there's still these pillars looking like this. It was all part of the thing. But as uh, Charlotte said, in turning around, we do a lot of them. It was a wedding venue yesterday. With, uh, uh, well, in fact, we went from a wedding, ven- a wedding ceremony to a wedding reception venue in, and then back to church all in one day. So it was a busy day. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it was a really good one. It was a great celebration as, as family. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I was trying to bring out a little bit last week that, that uh, often the, the bit about the way is the one that is forgotten. Because a way is a journey. A way is a, an example. A way is this is something that you can imitate. And when you look at the life of Jesus here on this earth, you, it, Jesus encapsulated everything that God is but in human form. And so you can look at the life he led, and he's like our prime example of what it's like to live in the way. And so when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he's saying is if you you look at how I've lived and you learn to live like this, you're going to be living in the truth, and you're going to be living in that life. All right, this is the truth that sets you free, and this is the life that brings you everything you need, uh, your healing, your completeness in God, knowing your destiny, knowing your purpose. It's, it's, it's the, the life is zoe in Greek, and it's like, it's like bursting with energy. It's not just, oh, you've got life, great, thanks. Yep, I'm like that dead flower, almost dead flower growing in my window. No, this is life. This is a screaming baby that wants attention from his mother. This is the, this is the gold medal athlete that's pushing themselves to, to get to their very, very best as their coach is on the side just saying, come on, come on, come on. So when Jesus says, I am the way, we want to listen to what he says. And I think what I was trying to uh, express last time I, I spoke on this, it was the fact that, that really God when he wanted to communicate with all of us, he could have done lights in the sky. He is God after all. He could have, he could have communicated in some huge way, but he didn't. He came as Jesus. And he didn't even come to a really busy place in the world at that time. Israel was a backwater of the Roman Empire, which indicates to me that God is really about the personal. It's about the individual people that make up a community that really matter. He's not interested really in the big stuff except for the amount of people that are wrapped up in it. See, modern, the modern world runs on organizations and organizations have almost their own existence. A, a limited company has its own identity and its own sort of legal position. A public company sells shares. You can buy into that company and it, it's, it has its own solicitors and it's well, as its own staff. It's, it's a separate thing. But God didn't come to earth and set, set up sort of God Incorporated or God Public Company. He came as Jesus. You know, he could have come at any moment in history, couldn't he? I saw somebody, it was their reason that they believed that God wasn't real because if God had been sensible... 
they were writing online, he would have come now when he could have instantly communicated all around the world with everybody using social media. Jesus' YouTube channel. Just imagine everybody on their iPhones filming the miracles, but he didn't. Why didn't he? Because it wouldn't be personal. He wanted the message to go from person to person. One of, the, one of the fabulous things that's happening uh, in this congregation at the moment, um, just to let all you guys from Doncaster know, which is lovely to have you here today, by the way. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's, we've been using a, a system called First Encounters, which is uh, it's really um, one-to-one mentoring, one-to-one discipleship. And do you know what? I think that is actually God's absolute favorite way of bringing anybody in. Uh, you know, courses are good, but courses sort of address the mass. And sometimes God just wants to bring somebody on one-to-one. And you can feel like, well, I'm not really good enough to mentor somebody else. You only have to be half a step ahead. It's the secret to every teacher and leader. Half a step's enough. Follow me. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, then, and that's all you need. And you need to be willing to listen to God. You need to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and go by his lead and not by some program. Even when you're using first encounter, it's like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? And of course, it's necessary. I love it that it's built right in the beginning of of first encounter. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because that verse is so key. You need to know that God exists, it says. And you need to know that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those of you that are doing first encounters, whether you're the mentor or the mentoree or the disciple or the one being discipled, you are both going to get so much from that. Because you are, you're, you're sowing into both lives. And of course, the real plan and the excitement, I think, for me, is the, the, the idea is that even if, if, even if you're the person being led through it, is that you're then looking for the next person that you're going to help lead through, so that it cascades. Because there's so much, uh, the world that we live in looks to all the experts to do all the leading, and God looks to all the people to lead. Some people, it's been said to me um, a few times, you know, you put too much pressure on by saying that we're all leaders. You are all leaders. I don't mean you're all going to lead your own church. It's just that God calls us to be an example. And by that, by that, you are a leader. You can't avoid it. You might be a very bad leader, but you're still a leader as a Christian. You're an example. People who know that you believe in Jesus can look at you and either gain a good impression of what God is like or not. And in that sense, you are a leader. And actually, I believe everybody can lead another person in one-to-one mentoring. Uh, actually, it's more of a journey together. It's more like walking along the road together. It's, uh, it's like that, uh, that famous story, really, of Jesus after his resurrection. Do you remember when he joins the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? And uh, he, it's not that he leads them, he walks alongside them. And this is Jesus. Uh, and uh, they're so caught off guard, really, about this guy that's just chatting with them as they walk along the road. I mean, they're not likely to expect Jesus. He's died. You know, be fair to them. Uh, and so they're walking with him and just lost in their own thoughts and he's chatting with them and pointing things out and it's not until he breaks bread with them they suddenly realize who they've been with but it's that sense of he didn't dominate those two disciples he walked with them and he mentored them it says that he taught them in all things of the 
out of the scriptures, which would, of course, about him, about Jesus, which would have been the Old Testament. What we call that now. But that was their scriptures. He wasn't looking at the Gospels, because he was the Gospels. <laughs> that was all there was at that point. And so you see even in that walking along together that Jesus' way is, is to walk with people, with community angels. Where's Michelle? She's over there. With Michelle now heading up community angels. We've, we've often, it's often been difficult, I don't know if that's really the right word, awkward perhaps, working uh, with so many organizations locally because they're all perfect. They tend to be secular organizations, have their clients because they retain distance, which is a good thing professionally. But we're not supposed to retain distance. I mean, we mustn't get involved so that it drags us down either. And when community angels and we, we're working with the council, they'll often talk about our clients, but really it's community work, walking with community. We can't go as some sort of superior being that's just landed, because we're not. No matter what uh, difficulties somebody's in, we're not better than them. In fact, we, in, in some ways we're worse than them because we've had a greater revelation and we're probably not living to it anyway. You know, and they haven't had that opportunity yet. So really, it is, it's, it's, it's walking with people, but uh, looking for opportunities to sow into their lives so that they can turn them around, and also opportunities for showing them that there is a way that leads to a truth that sets you free and that leads to life in sort of invading your family and your friends. And uh, I'm going to put in another mention for this book that uh, Pastor Colin left with us uh, last week because this, it seems to me, is going to be a very good pre-first encounter. I don't know what that makes it, the North encounter. But uh, th this is a, a book really aimed at somebody who's not yet a Christian. And again, everybody in this room can use this with somebody else. You know, this is a fantastic, this is kind of, we needed something, I thought, when we were doing First Encounter, that was just, um, for people that are not yet Christians, you know, some people have been doing First Encounters with people who aren't yet Christians, so that obviously works too, but this just really covers some of the basics, and uh, as Pastor Collins said, it's not a tract, it's not just something to give out. I mean, if you want tracts to give to people, there's some over there next to the bookshelves that you can use. This is more, you're going to give it to somebody that you can then, they can read it and then you can talk about what's in it. It's very thorough uh, and it does something that he's talked about for the last 50 years really, where uh, uh, as you become a Christian, uh, it's all about writing a letter to Jesus. And uh, it's a way of really writing down what you want to give to him and what he's giving to you. It's very effective. Uh, so make sure if uh, you're part of this church, you've got one of your, these books, but then be praying, God, who am I going to share this with? Who, who, who have you got for me? Because I, I believe God doesn't want us to have big programs all the time just to see people come to know Jesus. It's about making real, genuine connections. It's that one-to-one. -one. It's that really old-fashioned, first-century connections, you know, that, that Jesus had. I mean, you think about it. It's amazing, isn't it, that he only had 
12 disciples. I mean, he had the others. He had the 72 that he sent out, and there were others, and there were the women. But there were really only 12 that he got going. And then he really only did it for three years. I don't think any human being would have ever planned it like that. But if he'd been here longer, it, it would have been, he would have taken over. Because he was walking so closely with the Father, and he was so anointed. I don't think humankind would have ever recovered from Jesus being Jesus. We wouldn't have been able to cope that he was saying, I'm giving this to you to run with. Because he was so good at it. He couldn't stay that long. But his basic thing was just take this message and tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, if you're following this, if you go to, uh, in your Bible, it's in John 14, uh, verse 6 is the actual, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's have a look at it here. I've got, uh, as you know, I've been... uh, Using the passion a lot lately, so here we go from the passion again. Don't let your heart be troubled, for you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And when everything is ready, I'll come back and take you to myself, so that you will be there where I am. And you already know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going. How could we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father also. And from now on, you'll realize that you have seen him and experienced him. Philip spoke up. Lord, show us the Father. That will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? Anyone who's looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own but come from the Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and my Father lives as one with me. Or at least believe because of the mighty miracles. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles I do. Even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show you what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. Let's stop there for now. This is actually, uh, Jesus' disciples are literally troubled, going back to that first line, because they sense that there is trouble ahead. And of course, Jesus has been sharing that he's going to uh, die. He's going to be put to death. They're not really quite listening, but that's what he's uh, sharing with them over the Last Supper. And so their hearts are troubled. It literally, the word troubled, it means like agitated or distressed. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But there's things that come out of this that I really like. It's, Jesus isn't saying to the disciples, you shouldn't be troubled. He's not pointing a finger at them. Feeling troubled, feeling disturbed, feeling agitated, or any of these sort of emotions that come to us, they're not wrong to have those emotions. 
Jesus doesn't criticize us for having emotions because God gave them to us. All right? We can have all kinds of emotions. It's what we then do with them. Because emotions can become positive or negative. Emotions can be things that enable us to serve God with enthusiasm. Or emotions can be those that cause us to fall away from God because we are miserable, I guess. And here, the disciples could give up on everything because of what's going on them, uh, on in them. So Jesus says, look, don't be troubled. But he doesn't leave it there. He says, for you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. See, the answer always to fear and anxiety and trouble and agitation is to trust God. If we really trusted him, we'd have no problems at all. I mean, that sounds almost naive, but it, it actually isn't. If we could just trust him, amazing what we could do. The reason we don't trust him is because things come in our path that look like they're obstructions or look like they're completely against what God wants. And Jesus says, trust me. See, every, every journey along this way, every, every one of us here in this room, if you know Jesus already, you're on this journey. There are going to be things in the way on this journey or things that look contradictory. Maybe you, you think, how on earth are we going to survive? We're running out of money. We don't have enough. It always comes back to trust. If God has told you to do this, everything will be provided. I love uh, one of the scriptures Pastor Colin mentioned last week, and it was funny, really, because it, it just it came to, it was like fresh to me, even though it's one I know really well. And it's the one that talks about uh, you will have everything you need so that you can abound in every good work. Do you know that one? And uh, I, was, it was suddenly, I suddenly saw it because my experience so often is having exactly what I need at exactly the right time. Do you get this? It's weird sometimes. It's like, the night before, I happen to have read something on an internet page that I then need that information for the next day in something that we're doing, you know? I mean, this is what I expect now, that God just... Uh, it's, not that, it's not that you become so casual you don't have to do anything or prepare or study or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But you, you know that God will provide. It might be a person. You've just got the right person at the right time. It was, um, I mean, the, the one I use most often, because that was the one that was the most outrageous, was, was when Brian was talking to me on the phone when Brian and Shona were still in Scotland. And Brian is telling me all about the street pastors, which I'd never heard of. I had no idea what the street pastors were about back in 2008. And, and uh, he was involved in street pastors, which is very, very similar to what street angels are. And uh, he's telling me all about it. He's enthusing about it. And I think at one point on the phone, I actually said to him, well, you never know, Brian. Maybe it's something we'll get involved with when you're down here. <laughs> and it was the next day that I went to this meeting that I felt God had told me to go to at the vicarage, wondering why on earth I was going to this meeting. And then the council and the police were basically outlining their scheme of getting the church involved in the local community. And at one point... I said, so you're talking about something like street pastors? At which point they bit my hands off. And within a matter of a couple of weeks, Brian was being asked, even though he was not actually here yet, but planning to move here, 
to, to, to head up Street Angels in Scarborough. It was one of those opportunities where I seemed like an expert, but it was because of a conversation the night before. I just had all the information I needed and to hand. Expect that. But in all sorts of things, God does want you to abound in every good work. Don't think you won't have enough. Don't, as Pastor Colin kept saying last week, don't sow weeds. Oh, I don't know if I'll have enough. I don't know if I need, I have what I need. I don't know if I'll, I'll have, I don't know what, the, the, the car I need, the bags I need, the, the accommodation I need. I probably won't be able to find a room at a hotel where I'm going to go and stay. Why are we saying those things? Thank you, God, for a, for a room at the right place. You know? It's, I mean, it's become a joke here, isn't it? And it's, it's kind of, sometimes people say, well, how can you talk about that when you think of all the major issues in the world that we need God's answers to? And I talk about so often, um, I drive up to wherever I'm going to drive and there's a parking space. You know, when I'm with family, they sometimes say, look, there's a space there, there's a space there. And I say, oh, I'm going to the one near the door. <laughs> Obviously not pinching some disabled person's face. That would be rather dodgy. But, uh, but, but so often it is. But why? Because God wants to, us to abound in every good work. If you, you get what, I can never find a parking space. Why are you saying that? And you say, well, there is all these huge things in the world. Yes, there is. But God is also very interested in the personal. And why we want to campaign for justice and seek uh, righteousness in nations and see uh, everything happen. We also need to live on an individual basis, in an individual walk with God in a personal way. And then in a personal way with all of us together. Because if it's not rooted in the ordinary, if it's not rooted in the daily walking the way, it's not actually Jesus. It's some kind of religious thing. Yeah? It's a great adventure to follow the way. God will give you what you need. But like Jesus says, you don't need to be troubled if you can trust me. God, that makes me realize how often I don't trust him. But there's no condemnation in that. Jesus just is inviting you to trust him further. It's not like, oh, all the times I haven't trusted him. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, well, okay, you can ask God to forgive you for your lack of faith, but he doesn't want you to dwell on it for half an hour or longer. Or worse, sort of beat yourself up a little bit and make things bad for yourself as a kind of penance because you failed to have faith and trust him. He just wants you to trust him. He says, well, okay, you didn't, but let's trust me now. Trust me in this one. Well, it, it looks a bit dangerous. Do you trust me? And that's what settles our hearts on all these things. Well, I don't know if... No, we don't know very often, but we've just got to trust. And God begins, whether you've, wherever you are in your walking and your journey with God, he always starts in one place and enables you to grow. So you will learn to trust God in small things so that you can walk with God in bigger and bigger things. The bad news of this is you've always got to trust God. <laughs> you never get to a point where it's just easy. It's always a decision. Okay, I'm going to trust God to see me through this. Okay, I trust you, Jesus, that you are in charge. 
This isn't a very complicated message this morning, is it? It's basically, this is, this is the message, trust Jesus. Trust him. Believe in him. Let's just have a look at a little bit more from here. But the way of Jesus is to trust. It was the way that Jesus followed. He demonstrated it by trusting the Father. I don't do anything unless the Father has told me, he said. How often do we try and fill in the gaps? Because we're not quite sure what's happening, so we make it happen. And actually, we should just be trusting God, waiting for the provision, waiting for the way through. Timing is one of the biggest things that we have to trust God in sometimes. It's like, I want it and I want it now. And God says, you've got it, but wait. There's a timing. He knows the perfect timing. And because he's going away from them, he's literally going to die on the cross. He tells them, my father's house has many dwelling places. If it were otherwise, I'd tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself, so that you will be where I am. You already know the place I'm going to. He's going back to his father, isn't he? I mean, he's going to come back to them as the resurrected Jesus. He's going to come back to them as the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And he's going to come back as he's going to come back for us all with the second coming. Because he's coming back. He is coming back. Sometimes we look at the world situation and think it's very soon, but we're supposed to anyway. Let's not waste a day. But he says to them, look, where I'm going to, I'm going to my father's house. There's already a place there for you. Just think, with the Father in heaven right now, there's a place for you. Prepared. It's ready. And then, interestingly, if you think about it, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that his spirit lives within you? Even as there is a dwelling place ready for you, we live in the good of being in that temple here and now because God lives in us. It's like we, we're bringing heaven down into our daily experience. Thomas said to him, we don't know where you're going. Thomas was always very blunt. How can we, how can we know the way? And that's where he comes out with. Yeah, you, you do know the way, because it's me. What's your way to be with the Father? What's your way into heaven to be with the Father? It's to know Jesus. I mean, it's a dismal message in some ways, but everybody in this room, unless Jesus comes back, we are going to die. It's a reality that the current age don't like to talk about but it is actually a truth. And some of us will die before some of the others. But we go home to a dwelling place that is prepared for us for eternity. And when, when you've really got that on the inside, that's where this security and trust comes from. The worst that can happen is I'm home with the Father. Oh, that's not actually the worst then, is it? But it's kind of gaining this understanding because all around us, death is the end of everything. 
in the world. It's the, it's the death of owning all that property that you've gathered through your life. But that property is nothing compared to what we have in Jesus anyway, is it? We have a great future. <laughs> so he says to, by way of explaining to Thomas, that no one comes to the Father except through me, and to know me is to know my Father. And then it's Philip's turn. He says, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be all we need. And it's like Jesus' reply is quite, I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it? Philip, you've been with me all this time. Do you still not know who I am? That is quite a statement, isn't it? You want to know what the Father is like? Look at me, he says. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and I'm living in the Father? And here he is. Even my words are not my own, but come from the Father. For he lives in me and performs miracles of power through me. Now, how many of you want to follow the way? A scattering. I'll try, how many of you are following the way? Slightly bigger scattering. Awesome. We'll have a call forward in a minute. I tell you this timeless truth, says Jesus. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, do you believe in Jesus? It's not that he's looking for a boulder of faith. He's looking for a mustard seed, remember? Everybody in this room, even if you're, you've not made, even if you've not really, as far as you're concerned, said yes to Jesus, you have faith. It's one of the reasons you're here. Maybe you're here because you came with somebody else, but you're still here. There's something there that says this could be real. Well, listen. If you've got that faith, if you've got that trust, Jesus says, you'll do the same mighty miracles that I do and even greater miracles than these because I go to be with the Father. He's quite blunt. He's not, some people try to explain this away, well, as the church will we'll speak to more people because there's more, obvious, more, more of us. But that's not actually what he's saying. He is, it's in the context of, the miracles. He's just said, believe in me even just on the basis of these miracles. And actually, you're going to do greater miracles than this. Will you allow God to work through you? Even when there's things in the way, even when there's doubts in the way, even when there's giants that oppose you, will you look for miracles? Because I... I'm convinced that's what God wants to see happening amongst us. We're not supposed to be ineffective in the world. We're supposed to see the world change because we believe for change. We speak to the mountains and they jump in the sea. We don't sow weeds, we sow words of faith. It's not about all, uh, I mean, you know, if, if, if things are, 
if you're having a tough time or things are going wrong and you're ill, it's not about pretending that they're not there. That's religion. That's like, oh, I can't talk about it because we've been told we can't talk about it and that would be sowing weeds. That's nonsense. It just means don't go around sowing all this negativity to everybody you meet. You do need to talk to people that you know you and love you and say, I've had real problems with this or actually I'm not well with this at the moment, but God is my healer. You know, my expectation is health. And you keep moving forward, and then you see health. But you've got to sow the seed of health and healing before you see it happen. I don't want to sow any weeds, but sometimes I do. It's... If you've done, we will all do sowing weeds, just negativity, things like, my my bad back is so painful, I think I'm stuck with this one. Why? Why are we going to say that? Why believe that? Thank you, Jesus. I speak to this bad back, go jump in the sea. That could be an interesting... Come back, I want some of it. (laughs) It's something that has been a struggle for me for years and years and years, as long as you know. And you'll often hear people say to me, should you be lifting that with your bad back? And I don't have a bad back. There is an issue going on there, but I am constantly speaking over it. And these kind of things are challenges, but I either trust Jesus or I don't. And if I choose not to, I'm not going to see any of these things sorted, am I? If I, if I don't actually, you know, if I only see success of one in ten, I'm going to be jumping up and down, aren't I? Yes. But that's not actually God's plan. His plan is to see ten out of ten success, greater miracles than these. But it's got to come from a people who are willing to trust Jesus even when things don't look good or don't look right or are going the wrong way. It's like, no, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to see a way through this. And those are the people that change their lives, the lives of their families, the lives of their friends, and the lives in their communities. Because they say, there's that happening out there, but I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to trust Jesus, and I'm going to see the way through, because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I'm going to come before the Father. There's no other way. Are you willing to do that? You're so quiet. Is it a bit stuffy out there, or hot, or something? (laughs) <laughs> or did you all do too much dancing last night? Those have been at a wedding. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is Jesus saying, you will do greater miracles than these. Do you trust him? What are you going to start uh, or continue to, for those of you that are in a great place, what are you going to trust him for? Miracles. God's given us those five prophetic victories, hasn't he? Do you remember them all? Finances, salvations, healings, extraordinary miracles, and the promises of God. If you're not seeing some of those, what are you going to do? Keep going. Speak to them. Tell them to jump into the sea. Or speak to the mountain and get it out of the way. There's, there's the, from a previous thing, there's the, yet because of your shameless audacity... It's up on the wall over there. Or the keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. It's not that we've got to change God's mind. It's about us stepping into actually believing the stuff. I mean, sometimes we just want to believe. 
But the only way to begin to believe is to take steps that come against the unbelief. Well, I don't feel very good about this. I don't, you know, it doesn't look... Well, step forward then. Say, no, I will trust you, Jesus. You are the way. And you said I will see greater miracles. This congregation will see greater miracles than what Jesus saw. He said, well, he saw people raised from the dead. So? Maybe whole families set free from abuse and alcoholism and drugs is a bigger miracle anyway. I don't know. It is and it isn't. But, you know, I want to see the things of God. I want to see lives change. Will you contend for miracles and extraordinary miracles and healings and the things of God to see people's lives change? Are you prepared to follow the way? There's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. But part of his way was what he's explaining here. And he says, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. That's very blunt. I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. That's not about tacking a little in the name of Jesus on the end of prayers. Be healed in the name of Jesus. It's being in his name. It's being as Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. I don't have to say in the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's actually a false humility that says it rather than trusting we are who God says we are. And if I walk up to Ron and there's something wrong with him, I can say, be healed. So, well, you need to say in the name of Jesus or you'll think it's you doing it. No, I think it's God doing it and I think Jesus said, you will do. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask as if it was me. Can you imagine Jesus praying for people and nothing happening? You probably find that quite hard to imagine. Yeah? He goes up to see somebody blind healed and it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't resonate as a picture, does it? But he says, you can do this in my name. One final example, and we'll finish really in that, is it's a favorite one of mine. I've used it before, but it, it just makes it clear. When I was a head teacher... You, you could see this happening clearly. Normally, if a five-year-old went up to one of the teaching staff and said, could, uh, at break time, could you go and, see, go, and, go and see the head teacher, go down the corridor and go in that room down there, they're not gonna be, they're not, the teacher's not going to do what the child says. Ch teachers aren't normally bossed around by their children, in theory, anyway. What do you reckon, Lizzie? <laughs> Lizzie is in charge of her classroom and most of the time the children do what she says and she doesn't jump around to their orders it would become pretty chaotic if she did but if one of the children comes into her classroom uh, and, and they've come from the head teacher and maybe they've got a note as proof and they say oh in my case it was Mr Abel Mr Abel says can you go and see him at break time they will go and see them because that's the authority of the head teacher. The child might only be five years old, but they are in the name of the head teacher. They don't even have to say it if the teacher knows. And believe me, all the sicknesses and diseases and illnesses and problems and everything else that's going on in the world, they know whose name you're in. It's known. You don't have to go around stating it. You are in that name. So when you say, 
to something, go and jump in the sea. That sickness, get out of that body now in the name of Jesus. Be healed. I threw it in in the name of Jesus. That's habit. Be healed. It's got to happen because you are in the name of Jesus. You, are, you may feel like a five-year-old before a mountain, but actually you're not. You're God before a mouse. This is the authority we have. Don't be troubled. Trust me, says Jesus. And you say, well, what happens? I've done this. I've done this sort of thing. And I've seen people not healed. And worse, don't stop. If it's one in a hundred, that's better than not one in a hundred. But one thing is certain, it will change because we'll learn to operate in the name of. Or we can choose not to. And we can choose to believe the way we're feeling about something, which might be terrible. It might, our feelings could be screaming out loud. And it's not that those feelings are bad. They just need to come into line with who we really are in God. Actually, I believe when we really play in the, play, play, pray in the name of Jesus, we can often feel like we're praying in the name of Jesus as well. And that is absolutely fine. It's, it's about the whole mind, will, and emotions lining up with the spirit. But sometimes the will is saying no, or the emotions are saying no, or the knowledge that you have is saying no, but you're going to trust God anyway. You can know that such and such does not happen. That is not the way people get well, for example. That could be knowledge. And you can choose to say, I know that's the knowledge, but I also know that God said there'll be miracles greater than these. Jesus said, in his name, I will do greater miracles than these. Jesus said, ask me whatever you need in my name, and it will be given to you. But we offer, often we've backed off from actually believing that because of the times it appears not to work. But the only way to see it working is to not stop. I will not let the enemy push me back. When we have each other. Well, uh, Thursday night this week in the prayer meeting, I actually got Michelle up here, didn't I, Michelle? She's thinking, don't do it now, don't do it now, don't do it now. And I got Michelle to be saying what she was praying about, and I stood here in front of her like this, and then as she was praying, I pushed her back away from what she wanted. Well, the only way to go forward is to push back. And then we got to a point where she was being a little less than timid, but it was embarrassing for her, pushing the pastor backwards. But then three guys from over here came, got up, grabbed hold of Michelle, and just pushed us both backwards. And it's like, that's also a great picture of how sometimes we just, we're not quite there, but as the body together, encouraging one another, we move forward. Because the enemy is real, and he will resist this. It's a dark world. That's why we're light. It is dark. It, there's, there's horrible stuff happens in this world. Go and talk to Stacy. She works for the police service. She'll tell you. It's not all flowers out there. She sees some of the worst and the, and the most needy things happening. It's out there. We're quite protected from it. The enemy's real. 
It's time to push back. It's time to see this town changed. There was a tragic incident at the end of the road last night. You can read about it in the papers. We're going to push back. We will not have those kind of things happening in our town. You know, we're standing the gap for families that are involved. We're standing the gap for everything that's happening around that. But it's like, no, that is not normal for this town. We're not having these things. You agree with me on that? Yes. Let me just read that scripture again to finish then. Because this is the way. This is, who we, this is how we follow. I tell you this time is truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name, and that is how the Son will show you what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ah, that's why. When your prayers are answered, it brings glory to God. Ask anything in my name, he says again, and I will do it for you. In fact, if you read through this whole bit that he's, where he's preparing his disciples for the fact that he's going to die and go to heaven and, be, and, and raise the Father's side and the Holy Spirit is going to be sent, again and again he says, ask for whatever you wish. Pray and I will answer. He's, he's like, this is my last message to you. Don't let go of it. Keep pressing in. You will see greater things than I have, but you will need to trust me. Amen. And praise God, the early church did trust and we saw a church explode and completely change our world from then on. But it was only because some people said, no matter what's going on around us, I will trust God. I mean, they saw people put to death. I will trust God. They, 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 in, their, in their day and age, there was a lot less available in terms of medicine, wasn't there, and, and care. They lived much shorter lives. I will trust. I will believe in God. We've got it so easy. Are you prepared to toughen up and trust God through all? Say, I will not accept less than God's best. Because God is out there and he's already talking to people. He just wants people to go into that harvest field and be prepared to stand up and say, yeah, I'm one of them. I'll believe. I'll see a difference. I will spend time with people. I will talk to people. I am prepared to help someone come to know Jesus. Are you prepared for that? I believe it's a time for it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Ask in my name, and it will be given you. Amen? Let's stand just to finish. Hallelujah. Well, we can't finish with just theory, so... If you've got something that you need an answer to, this is a good time to do it. Because there's a collective faith in the room that says, yes, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. What do you, just, just stand where you are right now and let, uh, and let something come to mind. Maybe it's to do with finances. Maybe it's to do with a, a healing need that you need right now or, or, or something in your family or uh, your kids at school. Whatever it is, just let something come into mind. Okay, and then in a minute, you're going to address it. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you willing to do that? 
Maybe it's a, a state of mind or an attitude or a mental health issue. It's the same thing. It's like, that's not God's best. I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to tell it to jump into the sea, literally the mountain move and jump into the sea. It's one of Jesus' illustrations. Okay, all around. Now it's, you don't need to speak lots and lots and lots of words. It really is just a sentence and then saying, right, I'll trust God. You can come back to that sentence again and again, but it's, I'm going to trust God that I will see greater miracles than he saw because that's what he said. I'm going to trust him and not let my heart be troubled. The only way through trouble is to trust. Are you ready? I'll, I'll, I'll do it so that we're all doing it together. I'll, 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 I'll count to three and then everybody just address your problem. Either tell it to jump in the sea or whatever you want to do, but don't pray about it. Don't ask God to do it. You take authority in this particular case, okay? You act in the name of Jesus. You speak to it as Jesus would speak to it because you're maybe a five-year-old before a mountain, but you're not. You're in Jesus, and it's Jesus speaking the prayer. Okay, right. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. You shan't be heard for you many words, said Jesus. In fact, many words often go into unbelief. Sometimes it's good to pray just to make sure, oh, yep, right, we're listening to God, and then you go for it. That's okay. But you don't have to keep saying again and again and again in that one situation. You take authority, speak to it, and then you trust and continue to trust. Amen. Have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.